0: Yeah, okay, let's, let's get into today. Um, I'm gonna pray. Jesus, anoint me, give me clarity, and help me to just cement down what you've called us to, who we are and whose we are, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I've got a, I've got a picture, a, a moving picture. That's Christianity, Everybody is swimming one way, and you're swimming the other way. Let me just kind of just put it out there a little bit more. I remember the day that I went into my boss, and I said to him, I'm putting my resignation. I'm leaving civil engineering to go into ministry, to which he responded, what did you say? I said, I'm going into ministry, and then he F-bombed, and then he F-bombed again, and he said, you are three years into your career. You, you've, you're right next to getting your PR range. You got your degree. You're about to get your PR He said, do you think God could just wait like another year and you'd be sorted? And I went, this is Christianity. Is it, the people think we're nuts. Why do you stay in Durban? God didn't tell me to move. That's just weird. Why do you give money to the church? God told me to. It's weird. People think we're weird. We are weird. I remember I did a around-the-world trip, and uh, I was staying in a hostel, because that's what you do when you're on a pastor's salary. You stay in hostels when, you, when you're traveling around. And I'm staying in this one hostel, and these three European girls, I think they were from Scandinavia, find out that I'm a pastor. And so now I become like an object lesson. So they sit me down, they buy me a drink, and they say to me, okay, so you got to tell me about this pastor thing. Are you like a priest? No, no, I'm not a priest, I'm a pastor. What's the difference? We get wives. Do you sleep with them before you get married? It, it, they just kept coming. The questions just kept coming. And I could see for them, this was like a scientific like observation thing. They were doing R&D on me. Because we're weird. We're so different. He hits you on one side of the cheek, turn the other cheek. Weird. He, give generously to all. Weird. When you're insulted, bless them, weird. LGBTQ, we're conservative, weird. We don't sleep with our girlfriends before we're married, weird. Pretty much everything about our faith is weird in the current culture. The current culture, hey, where's my picture? Put my picture, it must stay up there. (laughs) The current culture is going like that. And we are swimming like that. And the thing is, if you do not know who you are, you will turn and swim the other way. Identity is possibly the most important thing that you can get right in this season of the world. When you're swimming against a culture that's tied is so strong, when people are getting discipled by Netflix and social media instead of the Bible, the culture is swimming so strong in the opposite direction and we are going the wrong way. And you can't access the grace you need unless you understand who you are. So today, as I wrap up, Shane had a word, which is actually perfect setup for my, my sermon. So I'm going to ask him to come share it, and then, um, and then I'm going to preach. Thank you. If you could preach for about 10 minutes or leave me 15, then we'll be sorted. no, I'm joking.
1: It it... Sorry,
0: sorry, rookie error.
1: Um, so, yeah, while, while we're um, just praying this morning, I just felt three words that God wants to redeem, renew, and restore. Um, and the picture that I had was like a very, very valuable piece of furniture. Like, a, I'm not a carpenter, but the most valuable piece of wood I can think of like is Oregon pine or, or, or something like that. So you, you got this beautiful piece of furniture, but over the years, it's just been painted over. And like we, we start out with a great identity, but then something happens and it's a layer of paint that gets spoken over. Somebody says something to you, a layer of paint that gets spoken over. Somebody, or maybe perhaps you do something that you're completely ashamed of, another layer of paint. And then as we kind of go through life, there's just these layers of paint that just come over this once beautiful, valuable piece of furniture. But you know what the beauty is? Is underneath all that paint is still value, is still beauty. And I felt like God this morning as Ross preaches, It's going to come with a heat gun and a scraper, and it's just going to heat those identities and just scrape them up and just restore that once beautiful piece of furniture that you were intended to be and that you were created to be in Christ. Sorry, not quite 10 minutes. Thank
0: you. Thank you. Good word. Good word. Luke 5 verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, push out into the deep water, let down your nets for some fish. And Simon said to him, teacher, we've worked hard all night, and we've caught nothing. Basically, what do you know about fishing? But because you told me to, I will let the net down. When they had done this, they caught so many fish, their nets started to break. When Simon Peter saw this, he got down at the feet of Jesus, and he said, go away from me, Lord, because I'm a sinful man. Then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will fish for men. Okay, I want you to hold on to that. He's just had a miracle, and the word is, from now on, you will be a fisher of men. Now I'm going to skip through to John 21, verse 3. It starts like this. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. What is quite remarkable is if you read all the accounts of Peter fishing. He never catches anything unless there's a miracle. The oak sucks at fishing. But uh, he, he keeps fishing. But here's the context of this verse this is three, maybe four days after Jesus has been crucified. And Simon is experiencing deep heartache, he's experiencing great loss. And it's complicated because there's other stuff that's attached to his loss, but he's he's in the pain of the one he loves more than anyone else is dead. I wanna talk a little bit about loss. Because if you are living the Christian life, you will experience loss. Some of you are living in loss right now. There's, There's loss all around. Loss is something that when it gets into us, I want to tell you a little bit about loss. Loss, when it gets into your brain, it actually, your brain can't tell the difference between loss and the threat of survival. The the way your brain works, it experiences loss as an attack on you, which is why one person can lose a friend that they only see once a month and another person can lose a spouse and they can still feel the same levels of pain doesn't make any sense but but it's because the brain at the innermost part experiences loss as threat and it pumps up all kinds of emotions and if your brain stays in a state of loss how many of you know this you've stayed in a state of grief you stop being able to think clearly remember you become less logical you struggle to be creative and you know that if you stay in a state of loss for long enough and you don't process it, what begins to happen is that brain nerves that fire together, wire together, you, you, you will start to remain in a mental capacity of loss. You, will, you can permanently be in loss. See, loss if you've experienced it, because I've, I've experienced a good whack of it. Loss pervades. You lose one thing and it pervades your thinking on all things. Unprocessed loss, it just gets in. It, it pervades and it can be permanent and it has pressure. The three P's. When you experience loss, there's a pressure. So let me tell you a story. Just before COVID, and into COVID, I experienced a lot of people leaving our church for various different reasons. A lot of them were moving cities, moving countries. Um, some of them just moving suburbs, and, and people were just moving all over the show. And, and I was getting call after call after call into going into COVID of just, hey Ross, we're we're moving to Belito, we're moving to Clue. We're leaving the church, just wanted to let you know if you don't see us. And like one call, oh, that's sad. Two calls, oh, that's really sad. Three calls, this is very sad. Four calls. I remember one day, I was walking down the promenade in Mshlanga, and I bumped into eight people who'd left our church. And I realized the loss is starting to hammer me. And then through COVID, I just, one person after the next, I'm leaving the city, I'm leaving the country eventually it had so like torn my heart apart that I sat down with my wife and I said to her one day, I said, babe, I'm going to see a professional because I'm scared of my phone. Because every time I get a message that starts with, Ross, can we do a coffee? I go, they're about to leave. Now let me, let me just tell you something about pastors. You, you get two kinds. You get the kind that is so Butchered by people moving and leaving, etc., that they go, okay, I'm going to preach my best, do my best. They're clients, I'm the service provider, we're going to get through this thing that way. That's called a business. You get the other type who go, I can't stay in it if it's a business, so I'm going to love them and invest in them and try and work through how the heck my heart's going to cope. I'm this idiot. And so I went, Lord, help. This is so, so, so. I'm scared of my phone. I sat down with the psychologist. I said to her, have I got PTSD? Because I'm scared of my phone, and I'm sure that's not normal. And she started laughing at me. And she said, you have so many issues, it's frightening. Let's start diving in. <laughs> loss. You know, loss, people lost so much. If you lost something, any, any of you feel like you lost something in the last three years? Experienced any loss? If you feel like you lost something, I want you to just grab something. Sonya, will you just give me my phone or something in there? Thank you. She's scared of what's in you. I want you to just hold something. If you lost something, lost someone, lost a business, lost income, lost, lost part of who you feel like you are. Lost a relationship. If you, if you experience loss, just hold something. If you're not holding anything, you cannot hold your wife. It's not a loss. You've you, you got to hold something. And just keep it, keep it in your hand. Because I'm going to minister to people who've experienced loss today. If you didn't, you can just pray for the other people. Peter, Is under the pressure of loss. See, the thing that happens when you're under the pressure of loss, because loss has a force to it. Uh, I I meet so many Oaks who are hustling. They've been hustling all year because they lost business, and now they're trying to rebuild business. And so they're, they're, they're hustling. What's that? That's the pressure of loss. Loss for many, many people. took away so much that you go, I don't want to lose that much anymore, and so I'm just going to work harder. Peter has experienced the pressure of loss. He's looking at Jesus, just before this verse, he's looking at Jesus. And Jesus is being questioned, and Peter knows, because Jesus said it, And because he can see where this is going, that Jesus is about to go to the crucifixion. And Peter is in that state where Jesus is slipping out of his fingers. There's nothing he can do. He's out of control, because this is the thing about loss. It takes your control away. Jesus is slipping away from him, and that creates a pressure. And in the pressure, this teenage girl says to him, weren't you with Jesus? And he says, no, I don't even know the man. And then she says, hang on, I'm sure you were with Jesus. And he says, no, no, I don't know. And then again, she's like chatting around. And someone else says, hey, didn't I see you with Jesus? And he swears and says, not a chance. And at that moment, cock a doo And Jesus looks up and he looks into his eyes. See, I want you to think about this. Peter's last moment, his loss, is a combination of, my worship leaders here, is a combination of I've lost Jesus and the last time he looked at me, I was betraying him. His loss is complicated. Here's the thing that loss does. It puts such a deep pressure on us that if you've remained in sustained areas of loss, And you didn't know how to process it, you probably did something you deeply regret. You probably went into a sin habit that you deeply hate. You probably said something or did something to someone that absolutely ripped them apart because loss has a pressure. And when we give in to the pressure, it rips our hearts apart. And Peter, I can identify with because he's betrayed Jesus in his loss. And then Jesus does something that is so utterly beautiful, it'll blow you away. I can imagine Peter in his loss and his shame. If you've just lost the one you love, and the last time he saw you, you were betraying him, how would you feel about Mary saying, he's raised from the dead? Because I think Peter was going, I, I don't believe it, and I don't want to believe it. Or Cleopas saying, I saw him on a road to Emmaus. I, I think he had so messed up and he was so sore that he didn't even want Jesus back. Then it says, at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the di- disciples couldn't see who he was. So he called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied, they were with Peter, never catch fish. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net, 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 because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he'd stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about 100 yards from the shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. I want to show you two unbelievable things about this text. The first thing is this. Jesus does the same miracle in the same place to Peter. The first time, nets are full of fish, almost fall over, scared they're gonna tear, bring them in. That's when Jesus calls them. This time, same place. I've actually been there. I saw the fish, they're ugly, they look like barbell. There was a whole shoal of them. The same place, same miracle. There are only two times in the Bible that I can think of that the same miracle happens. One's Elijah, Elisha, to show that the same anointing on Elijah is on Elisha. The second is this one. Exactly the same miracle in the same place. Jesus is trying to say something. The second thing is it says there was a charcoal fire. I want you to think about smell for a moment. Just think about smells. Because the other day I smelt some bread come out of an oven. And it took me back to when Ophios used to cook for us at the game park. And he'd bring these fresh rolls that were mouthwatering. You know, no other sense does that. Today I was listening, and and my kids have got my phone on some sort of thing that I can't turn off. And, and Tony Braxton came up. And uh, and I was listening to her, and I was trying to remember who did I slow dance with to her Tony Braxton. Nothing, nothing came about. Maybe because no one slow. Anyway, I, I couldn't remember anything. But smell. Smell will take you back to the moment. It'll bring you straight into the nostalgia of the moment. you want to know the moment that Peter was lost around a charcoal fire? The Bible says this. Because it was cold, the household servants and the gods had made a charcoal fire. They stood around it warming themselves, and Peter stood with them warming himself. And the woman asked Peter, you're not one of that man's disciples, are you? No, he said, I'm not. A smile. There is nothing like the smell of a charcoal fire. Chisa nyama braai. There is nothing like that smell. Jesus takes Peter to the same miracle in the same place with the same smell. He shows Peter his great calling and his great failure in one moment. He brings all of it back all the goodness he set him up for, all the failure he's chosen in one moment. And then Jesus does something beautiful. It says, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my labs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said to him, Tend my sheep. Then he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Now, I want to tell you how God pulls us out of loss, out of the mess we get our heads into, out of the sin habits. The first thing he does is he says, Simon, son of Jonah. Now, I want you to just think about this. Jesus had changed his name to Peter, but Peter is acting like Simon. Simon means a reed swaying in the wind. Peter means a rock. Peter is his after Christ moment, but Simon is how he acts before Jesus enters his life. And so Jesus Says to him, You're acting like Simon, so I'm going to call you Simon to remind you of who you actually are because you're not Simon, you're Peter, but you're acting like Simon. Loss has got into you, its pressure has pulled you back to act like before you were a Christian. How many of you are carrying loss? And over the last little while, you've been acting like you did before you were a Christian. Loss. You know what I love about Jesus? Jesus doesn't come up to him and go, cock-a-doodle, cock-a-doodle-doo. He doesn't come up to him and say, Simon, remember when you betrayed me? I was about to get lashed. And then you just threw in a little betrayal to help me along. Jesus doesn't... Look at him with utter disappointment and say, "Simon, you suck." He doesn't dig into his past. He doesn't expose his Ugh. He just brings him to a smile and a miracle. Because here's what he's doing. He's bringing his past and his mess into his present, and he's given him a way out. And here's the way out. He's going. Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than the Netflix you've been binging on to dull the ache inside of your soul? Do you love me more than the porn you've been watching to try and escape from the life you're actually living? Do you love me? more than the mess you've just made of your relationships because you lost so much. Do you love me more? Do you love me? Because the way you're behaving, you're behaving like Simon, and I call you Peter. You know, when when I got to the height of my owie, in the last season and I was behaving a little bit poorly you can ask my wife and um, I, was, I was praying the one day and I felt like God said to me He said why do you think it's your church? You know what he was doing? He was just calling me Simon He was just going it not your church it's my church Jesus just going, I can prune it, I can send it, I can collapse it if I want, I can multiply it, I can raise it, I can bless it, I can strengthen it, I can do what I want with my church. Why do you think it's your church? Why do you think it's your business, sir? Because when you gave your life to Jesus, you said, Lord, it's yours. Why are you acting like Simon? It's not yours. You gave it to him. And then you prayed, our Father who art in heaven, give us today our daily bread. Why do you feel like you're the only one who provides for you? You're acting like Simon. Why do you think you have to protect your family? Because you started praying a prayer, our Father who art in heaven, deliver us from evil. God, you're my light and my salvation. You're my protector and my shield. Since when did you get the right to go, no, no, I'm in charge of our protection. When when did you get the right to go, I need to make decisions for the next place I go? Because when you gave your life to Jesus, you said, Jesus, here's my life, lead me. And then you prayed a prayer. Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Lead me not into temptation. You said things like, you're the lamp to my feet and the light to my path. You said, you said, Lord, you have a plan of a purpose for my life. When did you get the right to go, no, no, it's my life. Now, or never. How did How did you get the right? Why are you acting like Simon? I've called you Peter. And I'm not looking at you disappointed by your dumb stuff. I'm looking at you with love in your eyes and I'm giving you another chance to go, this is who I am. And this is whose I am. And you're holding all the owies, all the loss. And if this loss has tainted you, because here's how loss taints you. It's when I look at my phone And I see a message, shall we do a coffee? And I go, a shot of cortisol to the brain and the stomach starts to shrink and I feel like I might vomit. You know what that's called? That's called loss, stress. What's begun to happen is that the loss that started as an event became an expectation and now I'm not living by faith, now I'm living by loss. And right now, I'm just trying to protect myself from the next hook. And Jesus goes, Ross, stop being pre-Christ Ross. You're an ambassador for me. You know what he said to me? He said, Ross, after he rebuked me for uh, for thinking that I own the church, it was funny. Some people, every now and again, they ask me if I own the church. I go, I wish property would be sold tomorrow. I felt like God said to me, you don't own the church, but here's what you are called to be. You're an evangelist. You're called to reach the lost. You're an apostle. You're called to start churches. You're a worshiper. You're called to give me your whole life. You're a disciple. You are called to follow me completely and you're an ambassador for Jesus Christ, and you are the salt of the earth, and you are the light of the world, and you are called, and you're anointed, and you're chosen, and he has a plan for your life. This is who you are. You are not Simon. You're Peter. And today, he would look at you, and he'd go, I feel your loss, because I lost my body, my body, I lost my soul, I lost my relationship with the Father because Jesus cried out, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Jesus would go, I feel your loss, but will you give it back to me and say these words, Lord, I love you more than what I lost. You know, when when Jesus says to him, do you love me more than these fish? He's not just talking about stupid fish. He's talking about Peter's job. He's talking about Peter's income. He's talking about Peter's old identity. And this is what I realized today. If you want to be free, you have to go, Lord, tell me who I am and tell me whose I am. Remind me of whose I am. And if you will do that, what God does, I want to speak to just some people who have experienced incredible loss. I know there's been loss this week. When you let Jesus tell you who you are and whose you are, especially in pain, and you go, I'm going to love you even though it just feels like I'm losing more, I'm going to love you even though it feels like you're tearing me apart. I'm gonna love you. I love you even though you just took another member of the church, even though you just took another chunk of cash flow from the business, even though it feels like you just took another friend to New Zealand, even though it feels like you just took another hope out of my soul, even though you took another thing, I'm gonna worship you, I'm gonna declare I love you. When you start to do that, what you become is an arrow for the Lord that His grace is upon and He can look at like He looks at Peter and God can go like this with you because now he can entrust you. You see, when we think about grace, we don't think about soppy John. We think about hurt, broken, empty, unreliable Peter who Jesus just took and took and took and pulled and pulled and pulled and then shot. And some of us, have so much loss that it's stolen your identity. And I feel like today, Jesus wants to give it back. And the way he's gonna give it back is you're gonna go, Jesus, more than my loss, I want you. More than I want the thing back, the life back that I can't actually ever get back, I want you. And if you'll do that, if you'll take this, He's gonna play, if you'll take your loss, And you'll put it down before Jesus. And go, I love you, Jesus, more than what I've lost. I think he can do some healing in your life. Now, I'm gonna ask those who've gone through tons of loss to get on your knees and do this. When, after many counseling sessions and a lot of pain, I eventually went Okay, Jesus, even if you're going to take the whole church away, I love you. And Jesus, even if my income's going to come to nothing and I'm going to have to go back to engineering so that I can lead a church, I love you. And Jesus, even if my, my family lands up in the poor house, I love you. I choose you. I love you. And when you do that, you start to experience freedom from loss. So some of you are already on your knees. Others of you need to get on your knees. If you're experiencing loss, you want to get on your knees and just take it to Jesus as just he sings over us.
2: your name is still, I call the sea to still, the raging me to still, every way, that's your name, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus, you silence fear, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, breathe, call these bones to live, call these lungs to sing once again. I sing once again I will say Jesus Jesus You make the darkness tremble Jesus Jesus You silence fear Jesus Jesus You make the darkness tremble Jesus Jesus, your name, your name is alive, forever lifted high, your name cannot be overcome, your name is alive, forever lifted high, your name cannot be overcome. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus, your silence fear.
0: I just want to read this over you. You can put your name into this. Simon, whatever your name is, Mark, Sean, Peter, Paul. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than the stuff you've lost? More than the stuff you've got? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then he said, feed my lambs He said a second time, Simon, Tim, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Shane, do you love me? And Peter was grieved and he said, you know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Lord God, we, we don't wanna be the Christians who live just like the world. And Lord, we, we wanna love you more than the stuff you bless us with. And so we ask you, God, to just reinforce into our hearts and minds as we go out who you've called us to be and how much you love us. So I just pray, God, over, especially over the hurting here, those who carrying loss, those who know that they're carrying loss, but they, they haven't really felt it or allowed them, so their souls to go there. I pray, Jesus, that you set people free as they say, Lord, I love you. And remember who they are. I ask for your grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Remember, next week is a fun Sunday. You can invite some people back. But may God work deeply in your soul. It has been good being with you. God bless.